You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. How do we justify our desire for power? And how can evil like Sauron sneak in among us? Guys, we're finally doing it. We're just going to do a review of season one of Rings of Power. It's going to be a lot of fun. I... I'll go ahead and let you know. I, I love the show, so this is going to be a good time for me. But we're going to talk about what the critics had to say, too. This is Systematic Geekology. We are the priest to the geeks. I am Joshua Noll. I'm co-host of the Whole Church Podcast. I do some other things. I exist. Um, lately, I, I've been into a ton of comics, so that's all I've really been geeking out on. Marvel's releasing a lot of new stuff. There's a weird, like, Edge of the Spider-Verse thing coming out with Dino Spider-Man. I'm excited for that. It's it's weird, but I, I love the weird stuff. And I'm here with Nick Polk. Um, he does a lot of a lot of Tolkien stuff. Uh, I can't remember the name of the thing, so I'm sounding dumb right now. Nick, could you help me out? Yeah, dude. I uh, co-hosted Tolkien Heads with Trip Fuller, and so it's still on the internet, and you can listen to Tolkien scholars and us totally nerd out about Lord of the Rings uh, in a quasi-religious way. Yeah, yeah. And do you work for like the Tolkien Society or you did, right? Yeah. So I'm still the currently the production editor for their academic journal, which is called Malorn. And so I've been doing that since nice. February of 2020. And so, yeah. Sweet. Sweet. What, what you've been geeking out on lately? So I have been actually I am writing an academic paper on Tolkien and Avatar The Last Airbender. So I have been re-watching Avatar The Last Airbender and going through the comics awesome. and looking up uh, academic articles on that. So I'm pretty pumped on that. That sounds like way too much fun. And and we're here with another Avatar The Airbender fan, um, Elizabeth Pangling and Clyde, uh, teacher, chef, cool person. How's it going, Bang? Pretty good. Um, just trying to survive the last day before spring break. Yeah. <laughs> you got this champ. <laughs> you've been geeking out on. I have been just watching a lot of feel-good rom-com romance anime, English dub, so I just don't have to think when I veg out. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. If you find where they do the English dub well, it's not that bad. Early One Piece, on the other hand, do not listen to English dub. One Piece is great, and it did not deserve that disrespect. With that, (laughs) we're going to jump into today's topic before I go on a One Piece rant. Um... (laughs) And today we're talking about Rings of Power. It, it was highly contended. Um, you know, a lot of controversy around this one. Really excited to kind of discuss why it was contended so much, why so many people loved it, why so many people hated it. And uh, Penguin, I don't even know if she knew of the show before like two weeks ago. And I was like, hey, watch this. <laughs> so we're going to get someone's take who didn't have a lot of the baggage. We're going to get Nick and I talking about it, who had to endure all of the stupid complaints and some, maybe some good criticisms too. Um, we both loved it. I'm just going to go ahead and bury the lead on that one. It's um, true. Yeah. I, I grew up with Lord of the Rings, right? I wasn't allowed to watch it until I, I don't know. I was like 13, 14 or something. Cause there was so much violence in it. And then once I was, I was like, this is awesome. And then I was like, man, I wish I could read the books, but I, I just don't like reading. And then it turned out I did like reading. I was just ADHD. So now I've read, those books and The Hobbit and The Silmarillion and all the other extra stuff out there because it's just so good. The Silmarillion is actually my favorite, but this is an opinion we share. Yeah, we yeah. both love The Silmarillion. And that's where a lot of this show comes from. It comes from the second age. You're not going to hear anything about it in The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings. That's part of what's known as the third age. Um, if you've heard me discuss the Aina that's like the first age stuff. Fourth age is our current time, basically. So, yeah, this is the second age. Um, Amazon was given rights to do a show about it. There is a lot written in the Silmarillion as well as the first Legendarium. So before Christopher came and redid a lot of stuff, Tolkien did have his own Legendarium, which is kind of like notes of stuff. And not all of it made it to the Silmarillion, but some of it snuck into the show. So that's kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, we get we get a lot of that stuff. There's still a lot of holes, though. So this show got to take a lot of liberties trying to fill in holes and maybe they changed some timeline stuff. So did the movies, if you all forgot. Um, <laughs> so that's where we're at. That's what we're talking about. Um, Nick, I know you love Tolkien. How long has this been a part of your life? So Lord of the Rings to or Tolkien in general has kind of been 
part of my life for a long time. So my Nana owned a video rental store back in the late 80s, early 90s. She sold the business and brought all of her VHS home. Um, and so I got to watch a lot of uh, age inappropriate movies. But one of the age appropriate ones was the animated <laughs> Rankin Bass Hobbit. So at that point, I didn't wow. know anything about Tolkien, but you know, watched The Hobbit as a kid growing up. And then, of course, the Peter Jackson films came out when I was in middle school. And eventually, my whole family went and saw The Return of the King in theaters all together. Made it a whole event and then read The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and The Silmarillion in college. And that's where I like did a super, super deep dive. And so I've been a super, Tolkien super nerd for probably like mm, around 10 years now. Yeah, yeah. If we were like raking Tolkien nerds, I was probably the Tolkien nerd of the podcast until Nick showed up. He is the Gandalf avatar, if y'all are wondering. And now it's like, does Josh even know who Tolkien is? <laughs> Not even true. Uh, Not even Nick true. runs circles around me, guys. He he's he's awesome. And I, I didn't see that Hobbit cartoon until I was in college, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> so I think it's funny that that was your first introduction. I'm like, man, I didn't get to see that that early. <laughs> uh, the best thing about funny. that are the songs. Total bangers, total bangers yeah. front to back. I'm, it's one of the few things where I'm like, I'm glad Tolkien just didn't give Disney the rights, which if you didn't know, Disney did want to do that movie. And uh, he said no. Yeah. He didn't like how they did the dwarves in Snow White. Yeah, he hated Snow White. Yeah, which is hilarious to me because it was such a like groundbreaking movie as far as like animation and stuff goes, which we've done a review on that before. So I'll just drop that link below. Check it out. I won't bug you with that here now because... I'll go on forever. Pang, uh, I know you love Lord of the Rings. I know you're not as much a Tolkien geek as us, but uh, what, what's your history with it? So I just really know the three movies and I love the three movies. I always would side with Lord of the Ring over Harry Potter, even though my husband Amen. always presses at me because I get the S wrong. So sometimes I say the Lords of the Ring and I know it's Lord of the Rings, but um, it's, it's fine, right? No, totally not fine. Like yeah. super nerds. No, it's okay, totally. I, I mean, it's, I didn't, it's fine. <laughs> I, mean, I call the house of the dragon right? house of dragons. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, if I'm not paying attention, <laughs> I'll put the S in the wrong. But I love the three movies, um, specifically Legolas. Love him. And I think that's why I kind of am obsessed with Lord of the Ring, because I'm obsessed with Legolas. But other than that, just the three movies before watching um, the series on Amazon. Did you have you know, a poster of say. Blonde Orlando Bloom in your room? when those movies came no, out no no i did not but he <laughs> he was like the screensaver on the family desktop you know like how nice. the family Amazing. shared one like pc desktop it was him yes man <laughs> i was always a gimli guy but you know it's because i'm not a girl probably <laughs> oh i always gimli just had me laughing the whole movie and I, i'm always like i prioritize comedy so like yeah this guy <laughs> and then the more i learned about the actor and like how he actually behaved during the filming and stuff i'm like it's even funnier it's great <laughs> um man that that's okay so that's cool so you never watched the hobbit though i remember watching the hobbit once forever ago and it just it didn't really strike me so i never watched any more I'm, I'm not a big prequel per person once i know what happens i don't really care what happens beforehand because i already know what happened now well you know the hobbit was first so but I didn't watch it first. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, okay, cool. So, Peng, we're gonna we're gonna start with you, so that we can say all of the the things that were going on around the show later on. But since you didn't have all that, you didn't even know about the show, so you didn't hear any of the stupid drama. What was your take without all of that like baggage and stuff? Just watching it for what it was. What did you think about Rings of Power? So I was really excited. Even though Legolas wasn't in, I think that was the first question I asked you when you asked me um, yeah. if I watched it. I was like, it's... because I know, I at least like knew it was a prequel. So at least Legolas being an elf, he could have made it because he's like oh, immortal or something like that. But I, I, I wanted to love it. I really did. It was just so slow. I kept on waiting for it to pick up. And so I would end up doing dishes or cooking dinner or it started being like a background show. So then I felt like I missed a lot of key points. I even watched episode one twice and I still feel like I missed stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think that's like, that's one of the few criticisms that I'm like, I get that. Like some people just kind of have that opinion for me. 
I watch all of the Lord of the Rings extended versions and I still feel like they're not long enough. And I felt the same way about the show. Like, I'm like, I wish these episodes were like three times longer because for, for whatever reason, even though I'm like super ADHD, most things I have a hard time paying attention to. I cannot sit through Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League, even though I think it's pretty okay. It's just hard to sit through all at once. But Lord of the Rings, I swear they could spend an hour just following a toad hopping in the Shire and I'd be like, Oh, heck yeah, I'm here for this. <laughs> like, there's something about the general vibe that I can just sit in and feel happy. And I think they got the vibe right in this. Maybe because I never read the book, so I don't know the vibe per se. But then I feel like with some areas, I looked away or, you know, you kind of check Facebook or whatnot because double screen syndrome. And I'm like, wait, that happened? <laughs> like, so I feel like sometimes, like, why didn't they make me fall in love with the brother more before taking him away? I felt like that was a good... Op, you know, opportunity for me to like get emotionally invested. And so I never really found myself being emotionally invested into any of the characters per se. You mean Galadriel's brother? Yes. Like all of a sudden I was like, do to do a boat's float in doing a life lesson dead. What? I think that might be, which Nick might have to correct me on this. I think that might be because it was partially dealing with like some of the first age stuff and they couldn't get rights to a lot of that to actually go into it. Yeah, so they only have, yeah, so this most of the second age is told in the Silmarillion, like you said, but the only thing they have rights to are the appendices in the Lord of the Rings, which touches on some of like the minimal details of the second age. And so they had anything extra, like that was in the Silmarillion, they had to uh, basically go to the Tolkien estate and purchase. So I think Finrod might have been purchased extra to kind of give Galadriel that like revenge motivation. But yeah, that's why, because they basically had like limited money, limited time. But I think that's one of the weaknesses of the show to a certain degree as well as like, it's really hard for some characters to fall in love with because of like the slow pacing and they did the whole mystery box thing. And so even like the Amazon stats they released were only like out of a majority, the average finish time people i mean the average watch time was only 30 percent 37 percent of the show watched so a lot of people dropped off after 37 percent of the show was finished because i think a lot of that slow mystery box they weren't familiar with the legendarium and even some of the characters that were introduced kind of die off quicker or hard to connect with in some if it wasn't for this podcast i would have dropped the show to be honest (laughs) yeah man see yeah I did not feel that way. I I was very emotionally attached to Galadriel, Elrond, um, even um, I found, let's see if I'm getting the name right. Erondrir is that? Oh is yeah. that how I say his name? Oh yeah. Yeah, I I loved I loved that guy. I thought he was so cool. Um, I thought I thought they did Gilgalad really well during the fourth. Awesome. Also, you know, third I guess. Um, I was really invested in the stranger story, and I, I think just. Because of so, so the stranger kind of being like everybody's assuming he's Gandalf, and I think they're stupid. Um, but whatever, um, not stupid, I just think that's a really wrong opinion. But I, I have my reasons. Um, I uh, <laughs> where was I going? I, I did think just the mystery of him got me attached to the storyline, and then just kind of that, um, he did a really good job of portraying kind of confusion, lost, like you could tell. He was out of place and didn't know who he was. And I was like, I have felt a lot of those same emotions, maybe to not to that degree. So I was really able to attach to him, even with limited information. Yeah, I think the characters I love the most were actually the ones that they made up. So like Iran Deer was a character yeah. that was original. Uh, he ended up being one of my favorites. And then during the fourth is actually a made up character, too. Um, there if for, for Tolkien lore, only one Durin can exist at a time. So Durin, the dwarves believe that Durin reincarnated over generations. Yeah. And so Durin the fourth and the third couldn't exist at the same time. So, and of course, Durin the fourth and his wife, Disa, which is also made of character, incredible. So those three ended up being my favorite characters. And I was actually skeptical of all of the original characters. Um, and they ended up being my favorite. Oh, yeah. And the Durin thing, that's like, that's one of those changes, which I see this about a lot of the changes in the movies too. But it's one of those things like in the books, yes, that kind of mythology, it's cool. I'm glad you have it there. But when you're translating stuff to film or show, 
you kind of want more symmetry. So to be able to have that relationship with him and his dad and kind of have it parallel what's going on with Galadriel and some of the Elvish leaders was kind of cool to have that side by side. And I don't think I think the show would be missing a lot if they didn't do something like that. So I was OK with that change. I thought it was pretty. Cool. Yeah, I'm interested to hear what your favorite who your favorite characters were Pang. Yes, this is going to sound really silly, but I love Nori just because it made me think of sushi. <laughs> Because I really like food. I was like, yeah, go sushi. <laughs> so um, so silly, I know. But I, I was like, yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, I, liked her, I liked her a lot. I've just, you know, the childlike spirit. But how does hobbits live a long time? Like the elves and stuff? Because she looked like a child. But according to like other things, she could be 500 years old. I don't know. Does hobbits live a long time? They live the same length as men, okay. but they're, but they kind of age differently. Like, so people and their th- hobbits come of age, like in their thirties. So like the 20, like us were, you know, humans are like 21. Theirs are in their thirties. And so they age a little, a little differently. Gotcha. Because I mean, I just assumed she was like a little kid, but now that I think about it, I'm like, is she a little kid? But um, yeah. I just like it because it always is like the younger generation bringing change to like the old buddy duddies type deal. So it's always refreshing pace and yeah. she's smart too she's not just like a naive little kid i thought that was something that was really interesting too is like even though this is the second age so it's way before the events of the hobbit and lord of the rings you still have a lot of this like newness kind of feeling you know like this is like the young generation of heroes but when you think about it this is actually the old generation of heroes so it's kind of like yeah. this is kind of cool yeah um okay so before we get we get too into the weeds because i know we're already kind of doing that um nick you are the production editor of Malorn, as you mentioned earlier, um, which is the academic journal of the Tolkien Society. Uh, so you're kind of the opposite of paying on this. You had all the baggage. You heard all of the complaints. You heard all of the praise. You heard you heard everything about this while it was going on. Um, we both did, really. But what could you kind of just break down? What were the biggest arguments, both in favor and against the show that you heard that you were aware of as it was going on? Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, the online fandom, even like when the trailer came out, you know, uh, the Super Bowl trailer, and even sometime before that, when they were announcing the actors who were portraying characters, and it was, I mean, it was both extremes. It was people who were like, this is terrible, and there was people who were just embracing it immediately. And I think a lot of that had to do with uh, race. In, in all honesty, you know, the reason why people started raging was because Disa was black um, and even a Ron Deere who is also black and Hispanic. And they were like, elves can't be this. This was Norse and old English. There weren't any people who weren't white in England at this time, which is historically inaccurate anyway. So that was that was the big issue <laughs> that tore the community um apart really and there wasn't a lot of nuance until probably after the show finished yeah it was really interesting to see a lot of the people complaining that oh no they should only be white people because it was based off norse mythology and we know that that's probably what tolkien had in mind honestly he probably pictured most of his characters as white whatever um times change get over it it's all like they're fictional things anyway but i digress the um but the same people who were complaining about that would turn around as soon as the show was coming out. I was like, oh, no, it's not about race. The reason I don't like it is actually X, Y, or Z. And it's like, okay, but it was race until you were able to come up with something else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you actually already had a bias against this because you didn't like that it didn't look the way you thought it should. Well, one of the things, too, so I in some of my academic studies, I study adaptations and also memes. And so I ended up. I mean, a lot of Lord of the Rings meme spaces. And of course, on Reddit, a bunch of Rings of Power meme pages started popping up and all of them were negative. And even like the main Lord of the Rings meme pages had banned people if they posted Rings of Power memes because of the negativity that it would instill. You know, you could post anything else about The Hobbit, which films which people didn't really like and you didn't have a problem. But then as soon as you were like, hey, Rings of Power memes, haha, it was just you know, just comment threads of just negativity and name calling. Yeah. Now, while we're on the kind of stuff that I think is like the shallow, stupid end of the complaints, there was also the complaint of Durin. There was a female dwarf. Right. And she didn't have a beard. 
Oh, to no. be fair, one of one of the probably one of the more accurate criticisms. I need Disa with a damn beard. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think didn't if I'm remembering right, Tolkien actually verified that there are gold dwarves. Yeah, they have beards. Yes. Yeah. So the fact that she didn't have a beard kind of goes against actual lore. But also, literally, who cares? Yeah, so true. Maybe she waxed it. Maybe she does have a true. beard. And she just waxed it. Y'all don't know her life. Yeah, she's making a statement. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. So, yeah, and then there was like timeline stuff people were complaining about because Galadriel should be with her husband right now, all this other stuff. Um, yeah, I think there was a ton of complaints about Galadriel specifically. Yeah, and I think those these are some of the more nuanced stuff. I think, you know, a lot of the crybaby content creators that I like to call them who they were saying that Galadriel has like the Amazon warrior woman, you know, kind of trope. Um, but in the in the text and then Josh, you were pointing to that she <laughs> is a warrior and she's she's filled with rage and revenge to try to kill Sauron for the destruction he has and still, you know, that he's committed against her family and her community and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. One of the big complaints that I, I always just was like, man, you can tell someone's only seen the movies when. Right. Right. Uh, Galadriel, you know, it was just they just wanted a female who was more powerful than everybody else because they just wanted to do like female power kind of thing. And I'm like, literally, Tolkien wrote in quote, she was the fairest and most powerful of the elves. That's just what it is. That's literally who she is. She's described as valiant. She's described as stubborn, <laughs> you know, like. That's literally the character. I I'm sorry that it wasn't portrayed exactly like that in the movie, but that's the character that she's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like, get over it. Yeah. And then the other thing, too, was the timeline. So the second yeah. age happens over thousands and thousands of years. And so part of it, too, Peng, you were talking about Finrod, is that they're having an issue because if they were to do it like time correctly they'd have to speed it up and more characters would be dead and you'd go like 500 <laughs> years later and so they're really compressing the timeline for probably about a thousand years um or more so yeah and you know they changed the order and some of the timeline stuff in lord of the rings too and it's true. They took out huge tom bombadil wasn't even in the movies guys i mean you can't really like complain about them changing the timeline that much that's that's just kind of the nature of film and show and stuff that's what's gonna happen <laughs> Yeah, I will say I think that thankfully after the show, if the first season's finished, I think people have been focusing more on just like the writing now and the development of characters and like, okay, the mystery box between the stranger and um, and um, what's his name? Yeah. Haldir. Not Haldir. That's an elf. Um, what's his name? The guy who I'm not, our spoilers um, are allowed, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, it's I'm, Sauron. I'm, I'm the mystery box. Sauron, yeah, yeah, Gandalf and Sauron. And so I think people are like, okay, but now since the mystery is over, like what's going to happen now? There's still a mystery around the stranger, but... Yeah, that's true. They haven't officially said it's Gandalf. It's not Gandalf. It literally can't be. He's going to the east at the end, and it specifically said that he's never been to the east several times. So it can't be Gandalf. <laughs> I like what if he I'm, never makes it to the east, even though he's planning to go to the east? It's not. It's not Gandalf. It just isn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hope it's not Gandalf. Also, that's just too obvious. But also, he's going to the east, and and like just the timeline of when he's meeting hobbits and stuff. Like it just doesn't. It doesn't line up in so many ways. I'm like, they could change that much stuff. I just don't think they're going to. Um, but but. The Sauron thing. This was my only actual complaint. Sauron cannot have anything to do with the creation of the Elven Rings. That cannot happen. Yeah. The order true. shouldn't happen that way. He shouldn't have been there. Those shouldn't have been the first ones created. That was my biggest. Uh, what? Because and that, that actually does have implications for how the one ring works and how much Sauron actually can control. So it's kind of like, um, what are you what are you doing here? <laughs> So I and I did I rewatched that part really carefully. I don't think he ever touches the ring, so that might be their cop out. But I'm like, but he knows about uh, them. Even in the in the lore, he doesn't know about them. So for people who don't know, yeah, Sauron influenced the shaping of a bunch of magic rings that are powerful amongst elves, men, and dwarves, and he has a direct 
participation in their creation. And so there might be some other rings and stuff with elves or other uh, smith smithing of weapons of power that he could have been involved in. But the three rings were made in secret um, without Sauron's knowledge. And that's how in the Lord of the Rings, Galadriel and Elrond are able to resist Sauron. Yeah. And doesn't Gandalf have one of the rings at one point too in the movies? Mm-hmm, he does. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, ah, that's, that's why I have, that's the only thing that I was like, I, I have an issue with them changing that. Cause that's, that's actually a big deal. Um, but the rest of it, you know, I thought the changes were fine. What was the biggest to get to get on a positive note before we switch to stuff that Payne cares more about? <laughs> what uh, what was the the biggest praise, like the most common thing that you heard in favor as far as criticisms go of the show? I think for people who weren't already mad about it, I think people really, as far as the people that I hang out with in my algorithm, uh. Yeah, I think it's the same similar thing where people uh, enjoyed Galadriel. um, Yeah, at least at the beginning. And some people are kind of mixed. But then also uh, Disa and Durin, Elrond, people love them. And then also Arondir. Like that's something that's universally like everyone's like, we love all these characters. They're written so well. People, we love them. They're endearing, all that stuff. Arondir was cool. I, I, for some reason, that was the part that I thought Peng was going to attach to. Like, this is basically the legless of this show. Because he's hot. Yeah. Yeah. He's the legless of this show. All right. Did you, did you not like him? No, I mean, I did think he was hot, but (laughs) it is what it is. That's funny. I, um, (laughs) I don't, I also, also snow troll. That was so cool. (laughs) Just watching her fight that in the first thing. I was like, I could just watch that one scene over and over because she is just so cool in that. And it looks fun. Like, I was like, man, this is this is good TV. All right. OK, let's uh, <laughs> let's get off of all the stuff that's going on around it. And let's go straight. Let's go straight for the punch. Zero to ten. How are we rating this one? Um, Nick, do you want to go first or last? Uh, I'll go. I'll go last. OK, then I'll go first. I'll OK, I can ping in the middle either way, because um, I, I, I for some reason, I feel like she's going to be the lowest of us. <laughs> Guys, I I have a hard time. I don't know if I want to give it a 10 or not. The only reason I wouldn't would be because of the three ring things at the end. But because I don't know what they're going to do with that, I'm going to give them grace. I'm going to assume they're going to find a way to explain that well. I'm going to give it a 10. I wow. can't think of a show that I enjoy more. I like Doctor Who just as much, but this was top tier for me. I loved every second. I could just, the way they did the scenes in the music, I could just, Watch like the annoying like Zen thing that they do with the Star Wars things where they just do the planets. No, I, I can't get down with that. But if they did that with how this show did the Shire and all that. Yeah, I just watch the atmosphere. Enjoy the music. I'd be happy. I'd be a happy camper. Also, I'd camp there. That would be fun. Pang, <laughs> how are you rating this one? I'm torn between like a six and a six and a half just because it didn't hold my attention. I know it was still a good plot. I just <laughs> it was so slow. And I'm like more not, of a quick not like slow I'll, <laughs> No, I mean, you're slow enough for everyone, but this <laughs> was just so slow and I wanted to, I was really excited and I wanted to watch it and get into it and it was just hard. Even like my husband wasn't a fan. I mean, yeah, that's fair. That's a fair reason to not be a fan. <laughs> okay, Nick, we have a really high and a really low. Where are you going? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I did not expect you to have a 10, Josh, and I'm, I love how I didn't, excited you yeah. are. And- <laughs> things like that and even paying i've heard that same criticism from folks too so i'm probably going to be around i'm probably going to give it a seven and a half and here's why i'm going to give different rankings so i think 10 out of 10 for music and vibes and atmosphere and costuming and everything the show if you want if if i'm going to middle earth they nailed it like i'm in I'm yeah just the whole time um some of the some of the writing for me isn't quite there yet. Um, not even just the stuff that's tied to the lore. And so one of the things too is that they talk about Mithril being, you know, potentially uh, a byproduct of the Silmar of a Sil- Silmaril for people like that, which is super yeah, accurate. But it's a great plot point. It fits for motivation and um, and things like that. But I think some of the character stuff is a little inconsistent. Like there are parts of Galadriel where she's as a warrior too. She's also supposed to be a diplomat. 
And I think that when yeah. she gets to Numenor, she's a little too feisty and she doesn't really good at diplomacy, which is not part of her character even that early on. Yeah. So I want to see Galadriel develop into this warrior slash also uh, talented, adept uh, diplomat. So uh, that's, that's how I am. So probably like seven for character development and writing. Ten out of ten for atmosphere and music. OK. Yeah, that's fair. I, mean, I feel like that average is out pretty well. <laughs> I'm glad you six went isn't low. Six is passing. I feel like a low would have been like a two or a yeah. three. So I okay. I gave it a passing rating. See, I don't I don't know what low is for you. You haven't rated enough things. Um, well, so, I mean, let's so just say two, one out of ten. I mean, one through ten, just numerically speaking, six is not low. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I um see because I know I know we do this a little bit different because I feel like you think of rating more as like a grade. So when you say six, I think like 60 percent, like teacher wise. Now, if I were to say six, I mean above average because, you know, it's rating, which is different from grading because, you know, I'm comparing it. Ten is the best, not perfect. The show wasn't perfect, but I do think it's the best. Um, Zero isn't completely bad. It's just the worst because that's how ratings work. You're comparing things. You're not grading them anyway. (laughs) I this like this is one of those things that everybody disagrees with me, Peng. It's fine, but I'm just gonna stick to it because as as far as like the the <laughs> the actual like words in the history of the words, it makes sense to me. So I'm just gonna stick with it. I'm just gonna argue it till I die. So so we already talked about what, what we think feel like they did right and wrong for the most part. I, I wanna kinda get in some of the deeper topics for a little bit. Um you already mentioned a lot of the controversy was around race. Tolkien probably did think of the people as mostly white. Uh, did did the race factor play a part at all for you as far as like things go? I'm going to I'm going to throw it to both of you. I'm, I'm going to be honest first, break the ice a little bit. It, it did kind of play a part for a minute, right? When it first started off. Yeah, this doesn't look like the Middle Earth I'm used to. Like it actually does look different because there's more diversity. So it didn't look quite the same. So it did kind of change it. I got used to it pretty quickly. Like, okay, yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. It's fine. I got used to it. It was cool. I actually really appreciated a lot of that diversity, but I do understand it. it you know, the whole thing does look different. It does have a slightly different vibe because of that. Uh, let's go, let's go paying first. I like saving Nick for last. This is fun. Did, did any of like the racial stuff, anything for you? Like, did you even think about it? Because like you didn't hear all this, so you might not have even None. thought about it. <laughs> even the girl dwarf didn't. I was like, Oh, look at his little boo thing. That's cute. They got a cute little relationship. Like, I'd be mad, too, if my friend didn't call me for 20 years and I got married and had kids. I was like, this makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, I I love their relationship. They were awesome. <laughs> um. Okay. All right, Nick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it was a no for me. And, you know, I think in our culture, there's like, especially when it comes to representation and and other things like that in media, that there's almost like a right and wrong way. And I think a lot of there's tokenization, right, where they're like, we have a bunch of extras and we put a bunch of people in there and there you go, diversity. Um, and there isn't really um, a highlight on yeah. just the skills and just the abilities that any person or actor would have. And I feel like Amazon did that where they were just like, we want actors to come in people who are good, who represent these characters. And I think they did that really well. Um, so, yeah. So, so as the Tolkien guy, I do have a couple questions. Yeah. Uh, one, cause I, I don't know how well I paid attention to this. So, so a lot of the times people complain about like the Disney live action remakes, like, Oh no, they changed Tinkerbell's race. I, I, I can get behind some of the aerial stuff because race actually plays a part of that story. So changing the race is kind of weird, but whatever. I don't care that much. Um, for those who don't know, Ariel has a black sister. So the original story actually does involve some of that story and they could have just incorporated that. I don't know why they didn't. For this, did they change any characters race though? Or is they just was it just the new characters? Were the they instead of, you know, like let's make these white characters something else, did they make whole new characters to uplift is what I'm wondering. It's it's really hard to say in Tolkien because he's super vague. Now, there are generalizations that he makes about certain um, groups of people. So Numenorians who are generally 
fair skinned. They're also like nine foot tall. So they're supposed to be like way taller <laughs> than any other yeah. person in Middle Earth, which obviously did not happen. And so Queen Muriel is is obviously not white, which potentially could be argued is not in line with Tolkien's general description of Numenorians, but we don't know. Um, yeah. And so he doesn't, Tolkien never really even talks about characters skin color unless they're usually it's usually women in particular where he usually talks about fair skinned um so yeah so it's arguably yes but also it's tolkien's super vague um, when it comes yeah. to describing people's skin tone which actually says a lot when you think about it because tolkien was extremely detailed about pretty much everything else <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah and I, I did like that they had some of these new characters though um the other thing was do you think Mind you, different times. We all need to understand that things change. We learn. We get better. Do you think Tolkien himself at that time would have had a problem with the characters being betrayed this way? That that's a great question. Um, I'm thankful that he does not have access to Twitter because I do not want to know what this man could potentially say. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you know, and I I don't know honestly. Um, because even when people did adapt things um, or even sent him scripts or proposals to adapt, he was very polite in his criticisms. Um, now, when his private uh, correspondences with people he cared about, he was a lot more, uh, yeah. you know, vicious. But yeah. Yeah. He, he was kind of a stickler for some things. He, he was very much not a fan of how Narnia was just like random stuff combined. He's like, that's not how mythology works. You can't just do that. <laughs> Yeah, that's where I was like, I could see him maybe, but it wouldn't be because it was a race thing. It was just because he was really particular about certain things. I could see maybe. But also, I feel like for the most part, he was a lot looser with how people interpreted his works than his son ended up being. But yeah, I would say yeah. people for people who are interested in that topic, there's a great book called uh, Tolkien Race. Oh, gosh. And uh, I can't remember the rest of the title by Demetra Femi. And she talks about Tolkien's development of race and his works. And it's a really oh. insightful book. Yeah, that that does sound interesting. OK, Pang's board. I'm going to go to the next question and let her answer first. <laughs> so both the story in the Silmarillion and even in the story in this series, kind of, they do it a little bit differently, but it revolves around Sauron tricking the different races. So humans, elves, dwarves. I don't think hobbits never get any rings. Nothing about it. anyway. Um, I've never thought of that for some reason, but the, um, he tricks them all into creating rings basically because different scenarios that either he directly plays a part in or just, you know, circumstances. He's like, Oh, well you need more power. The way you're going to deal with this is these rings. So in, in this storyline, he mentioned there's this whole like mithril thing that's messing with the tree that the elves have. And, they're really concerned about their own life, like eternal beings, which is just a weird thing to think about. Um, so the only way to fix it is by having more power. So rings, thus the title rings of power, right? So, you know, the later seasons, you're going to see the dwarves being really desperate. And so they're even willing to go to Sauron and he gives them rings so that they have power and their problem solved. And they already kind of buried some hints about the Balrog and different things that might cause that in the show. Um, humans is going to be the same thing, even though later on, see the elves didn't know in this, but later on they know that that's Sauron and they're still willing to do it because they're so desperate for power for whatever reason. Um, so, so Pang, <laughs> how do we see people or do you see people justifying like now in today's world, this same need for power and, I mean, what do we think about it? Like in some sense, we'll start with the show. It made sense. The elves had to do whatever they could if they were going to live. Right. Yeah. Because immortality just wasn't long enough. They just yeah. had to be a little bit longer. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I just, I mean, we hear the phrase all the time, making a deal with the devil. And so it's obviously very much still a thing today where people will, they would say it's the lesser of the two evils. Like I have to do this because something else bad will happen if I don't do it. But it's always people looking at themselves and seeing what they can get ahead with. So you see it all the time in politi um, political settings where I'll promise you this, but you have to do this for me and we don't care about the little guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
since you brought up politics, you definitely see that. I mean, even just going to like the most general stuff that everybody knows about. Well, you know, we got to vote for Trump because otherwise we'll end up with a Democrat or, oh, no, we got to vote anybody but Trump. Anyone's justifiable as long as they're not this guy. Right. And we definitely just justify a need for power because the other side is just so bad. Yeah. Well, even in the church world, too, um, just kind of like figuring out like what to do is like, well, we'll be okay with this issue because it's not as bad as this issue. And so it was just it's people putting themselves at the center and seeing what is better for them. And so and that's exactly why all the fighting and wars happen, because of like, well, we're looking out for our race and we need more power and we don't care how we will get it. Yeah, it's really interesting how often you hear from pastors or church organizations that are like truly concerned that church is losing power, that they're not going to have as many liberties in America and all this stuff. And I'm like, um, since when was power something we were supposed to care about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things it's it's awesome that y'all talked about this because Tolkien himself, that's one of the main focuses of his whole um, legendarium is that he actually had like a Latin term. And I feel like I brought this up here somewhere else where he talks about the Catholic priest because he was a Catholic. And so it's very political, just like in any other church organization or denomination. But he said the basically the leader or the priest or the politician who deserved the power most was the one who wanted it least. And so you see that in his characters where you've got even Frodo he takes power not to wield it to fight fire with fire against Sauron, but to take it and destroy it and to eliminate that access to power um, that could ar- arguably that no one should have access to. And so I think that in the show we see, I think right now we're on kind of the upward um, path of people wrestling with access to power um, what that looks like. And we'll probably see the corruption of Numenor in the next season and them as a political power. Um, but yeah. Well, while I'm here with two students, and since you mentioned some of the stuff that Tolkien said, that kind of <laughs> kind of almost like they could see the future a little bit. Tolkien's best friend, C.S. Lewis, uh, in op- in let me, let me see if I can get in this right. Um, screw tape proposes a toast. So it's like the afterword of screw tape. Um, He's talking to the General Academy and he's telling them, you know, how we're going to get more humans later on the line. And he starts talking about the education system and things that they're going to do. And man, it's uh, it's pretty much what's happening in education in America right now. Um, If if you look at like what he proposes as far as making the smart students learn at the level of the dumbest students, uh, the way that he words it sounds very much like the no child left behind stuff (laughs) with Bush. And I'm like. Did Lewis just know? Like, did Lewis and Tolkien just know what was going to happen? Like, it's incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. I haven't read. I haven't read that afterwards, so it's hard to say too in limited time in the education field. But I think yeah. so. I need to go and read that because that's interesting. Wild. Yeah. Um. So we're talking about power. Uh, I know Pang and I already touched on it. Nick, um, where was my brain? Do you see? the church kind of doing this power struggle too. Like where, where do you see this? And like, how concerned should we be about justifying power? Because again, in some circumstances, it does make sense. You know, like if someone tries to do something, God forbid to one of my family members, I'm going to be exerting power in that situation. Right. If I can to prevent evil. So I don't think it's always evil. But where like, where do we draw the line of like, when should it be a red flag that we're justifying a need for power? Yeah, I think it depends on the degree of power, too. And I think that was Tolkien's, uh, you know, type of a thing, too. And I'm going to refer back in the church. But I think there's this I mean, it's been going on forever in different ways. We just have social media. And so we have access to things quicker and at a higher rate, um, in my opinion. And so I think that we see people arguing is America, Christian nation, obviously we're here in the U.S., so we're putting it in those contexts, in those terms. And then people, I hang out, I'm on more on the left side of the spectrum politically, and so I hang out in those in those internet spaces. And so a lot of people talk about violence against, you know, the state or other places, and even the church, you know, people talk about um, committing violence against 
church folks or church property. And I think that's also the wrong, for me personally, I think that's the wrong way to go about it because um, there's a great, great question that a philosopher asked. He said, what happens after the revolution? And it's just a reestablishment of power. You see that even in uh, the Mandalorian (laughs) and with the new Republic, you know what I mean? It's becoming more imperial like after the revolution. And so I think that the power that we should have, uh, is the everyday person's power, which is to defend your family. Um, I don't know, you know, work the land, work, work at a job to pay and support your family, um, defend those that can't be defended. Um, and I think that's exemplified in what Jesus does in his ministry. So this radical power, radical exemplification of nonviolent power. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take a page out of church history. Um, I kind of think you can apply the same principles of Augustine's just war theory. If you're exerting power to protect somebody else who cannot protect themselves, or it will end up in less violence in the end. Okay, fine. (laughs) But if you're just doing it for yourself or to expand your own ability, I think that's when you're getting into this red flag. You're allowing Sauron in kind of door, you know? So, um, Let's let's end this on a more positive note. Um, let's talk favorite scene or or plotline. I'll, I'll either one, either one or both. Nick. Oh man, I I think it's just everything with Elrond and Durin the Fourth. Uh, the jokes, uh, like Pang had <laughs> talked about, when Durin is angry at Elrond when Elrond goes to visit. Uh, and he just, I mean, you could just feel the passion and the tears in his eyes when he's like, you're my friend and you've been gone for 20 years. Blah. Uh, it's, it's yeah, everything, everything, uh, you know, the scene, give, give me the meat and give it to me raw will forever be a (laughs) meme in my head. That's yeah. Great. I, one of my favorite characters, he was so cool. Um, paying what, what what do we got? So mine's kind of similar to Nick as well, because I love like the, the competition because you, who doesn't love friendly competitions like who's better like let's break some rocks and then just bury the hatchet but since he said that one i'll just go i love the strangers and um nori's relationship so yeah that was great m- p- part of my like speculation is like because you know gandalf is partial to the hobbits he loves them and i'm like this is where his love started because it's just so beautiful and we'll see who's right and who's wrong if i watch next season we'll see i'll probably end up watching it just to Hope that you're wrong. <laughs> I'm just going to be so irritated. If he actually makes it to the East and they, then they make him Gandalf, I'm going to be very irritated. Um, <laughs> like there's a lot of things that I'm like really just like loose, like whatever, change what you want. And then there's just these random things that I just like hook onto. And I'm like, no, it said he never went to the East. <laughs> like why? Why, Josh? Why do you care? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but um, man, for me, it's so cool. Honestly, Honestly, I just really loved every single scene that had Galadriel fighting. It looked so freaking cool. (laughs) Like, honestly, just the visual of it. I was like, man, from the moment she fought that troll, I was like, the moment somebody gets on YouTube, which this probably exists now, I got to find it and just makes like a compilation of just all of her fight scenes. I could watch that like every day. It was so much fun to watch her fight. It was awesome. Galadriel, the hardcore elven warrior. Let's go, baby. Yeah, the the stubborn, valiant, most powerful and fairest of the elves. Ooh, hey, hey now. Yeah, <laughs> just she's just so cool. Uh, if if you were confused about why Galadriel was she was the way in this, I have great news for you in the wrap up. Hey, guys, welcome to the wrap up <laughs> for recommendations. I'm going to start off and recommend read The Fall of Numenor. Uh, It starts off with that beautiful description of Galadriel, and you'll be like, oh, dang, they might not have even made her cool enough. She might even need to be cooler, perhaps. And you'd be right. She does. She just needs to continually grow in coolness. Nick, what's your recommendation for this one? So I'm already a Tolkien evangelist, so read everything Tolkien uh, if you can. (laughs) And then also, um, I'm also a big punk guy, and there's this band I've been getting into. They're called New Junk City out of Atlanta. Hmm. They released a new album. So go to your streaming site, whatever you do. Check out New Junk City. Excellent punk rock. Amazing. Nice. I um, That reminds me. Meeting the Master from Greta Van Fleet came out the day of us recording this. Yeah. If you haven't heard that yet. 
check it out. Don't become one of the toxic fans. They've gotten a lot of toxic fans these days, but check it out. Listen to it casually. That's what you should do. <laughs> okay. Good stuff. All right. Peng. Peng. What is right, your an- recommendation? Anime recommendation for the week. If you like a good Sherlock Holmes, but a little darker is Moriarty okay. the Patriot. So it's pretty much what? a hero of justice that he he's okay with breaking the law to um, get things even for the lesser people. Ah, that is one. And, and, and Holmes is like referenced in it too. So he actually ends up meeting like Sherlock Holmes in the anime. And so they're like dark and night. It's, I mean, day and night, you know what I mean? Trying to figure each other out. It's kind of fun. I, I don't watch a ton of anime. But man, I do love, love Sherlock Holmes. Um, fun, just random tidbit. And then we're going to end this. The <laughs> the author of Sherlock Holmes was, I forget what his job was, but he he was not a very analytical person. So he made Sherlock Holmes to kind of see the other side of things. And the flip side of that, my favorite story of all time is Alice in Wonderland, which for those who didn't know, was written by a logician. And it was a logician just showing what the opposite of logic would be. So very interesting beautiful. juxtaposition. Yeah. yeah. Never thought yeah. about that. Read, read those two side by side because you're, you're reading an analytical character by not someone analytical. And then you're reading a story that's the opposite of logic from a logician. Fun thing to do if you ever just want to read a bunch for some reason. Um, and with that, guys, uh, do us a favor. If you're on Spotify or Apple podcast, leave us a rating, write a quick review. It helps other people find the show. If not, go over to Podchaser. That's our preferred rating metric. So, you know, go over there, drop a rating for us. We'd really appreciate it. Just takes a minute. Um, you can also go to Patreon where uh, Pang is going to be doing a manga mustard soon. So if you want to talk her, hear her talk about more manga, because I don't know how to pronounce the word. You can go over there. Check it out. Patreon.com forward slash Systematic Geekology. And of course, guys, we need you to do one very important favor for us. And remember that we're all the chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.